Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us. And we are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And our subject this morning will be on matter. And we'll begin today with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 63 of Divinity Course and General Collectanian, a Christian scientist prayer. There is no matter and no mortal mind. God is all in all. All is harmony, health, holiness. This is the prayer unceasing to be used on all occasions and at all times. It lays the axe at the root of unreality, materiality, that forbidden tree, and cuts it down. Preserve a sacred silence on the subject of prayer. Signed by the author of Science and Health. It's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, the watching point. <clears throat> Watch number 455. Watch lest you cry to God to take you out of your human dilemma, when in reality, God is only waiting for your own readiness to be helped. If you have your hand in a narrow net face and you grab a handful of money that is in it, you cannot withdraw your hand. It is not the vase that is holding your hand, but greed. Do you believe God will come down into the mortal dream to widen the straight and narrow way so that he may release us from the hold materiality has upon us while we are still clinging to the belief in matter in some form or other? We are instructed in the Bible that we are held in materiality through lust. <clears throat> One definition of lust is pleasure. Another is desire. We cannot win the battle against mesmerism and sin as long as we believe that the desire for matter is part of our makeup or that of anyone. On page 78 of the textbook we read, God is not in the medley where matter cares for matter. We must know that we are not in the medley either and that the desire for matter that seems to be in us is no part of us. It is as unreal as the matter that is desired. Thank you. Okay, comments. Well, I was thinking a lot this week about this and how it applies <laughs> every and you know, making sure that we're not susceptible to, <laughs> to the advertising that we come across. And in what way do you mean that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I I did a lot of studying for advertising back when I was a designer, and it really it preys upon this. It preys upon trying to find a way to get people to believe that their life is incomplete without this product or whatever, and that only <coughs> product or the service can give you that life that you need. Um, you know, Apple's a good example. Everything with their stuff is about how cool you will be once you start using their stuff. <laughs> you know, and they don't, they don't talk about the specs or the technical aspect because nobody really cares about that. They just want to look cool. So. Thank you. I was thinking of the, I was thinking of the word readiness. Um, and <clears throat> just exactly what that meant. And I realized that it, it means, uh, what are we ready to let go of, like it says here? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so that helped me think this week that, is there anything I'm holding on to um, that I need to let go of? You know, it could be fear or doubt or resentment or frustration, whatever it is, but that's what we need to let go of. So we need to... You know, pray that show me, Father, what is it that I need to let go of, and and know that it's no part of us. 
Thank you. That's what I got out of it too. It's not that God. Whoops, we lost you, Lenny. We'll wait for Lenny. I, I'll wait too, okay? Uh, Lenny, we can't hear you. Um, I don't know what happened. What happened to Lenny? She's still there. Still there. Okay, we can't we can't hear you. I it's like you got on mute. Okay, Zari, did you want to say something? Uh oh. Here they are. How am I? Okay. You want to say something, Zari? I don't know why. What's happening? AM. That's right. Is anyone else on that could speak? Because we've seemed to. Lawrence, you want to say something? Well, I think. Uh we forget that God already has made everything perfect. That's really, that's why I love that seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. We forget, I we did forget that God already has made everything perfect. It's not my dependence on something material, you know, that I'm waiting for to get in order to be happy, content or harmonious. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, this lesson is a continuation. It's great the way it follows last week's lesson on that topic. Um, Lenny, you want to try again? We couldn't hear you. Yeah. Do I sound better now? Yeah. Yeah. Now you're there. Well, I was just saying that uh, it's not that God makes the way, you know, makes changes the way to suit me. It's I have to be fit for the way. And that's what really struck me this week. Um, I really like that that middle paragraph about, you know, it, sometimes we expect God to, you know, to kind of like change or soften or, you know, adjust things to suit us when it's the responsibility. Like I was reading in the Atonement and Eucharist last night was, it's just, it's about, you know, you have to, you, you have to know how to walk in the way and there is only the one way. Thank you very much. That's it. Sari, did you want to say something? I did. Uh, also in this line, uh, I realized that when we walk in that way, then, of course, we reflect that way. And I was also thinking about when I also worked as a designer and when I paint, um, I have to work with God. If I don't work with God, then I'm letting other thoughts uh, interrupt. So. And that's dualism. So I'm becoming a little bit more aware of when I let my thoughts, uh, when I start thinking it's all so difficult, then I'm, I think then I don't hear God anymore. Then it's like, you know, something else takes over. So I'm really grateful when I'm able to go into that still small, into that, you know, to listen to the still small voice. Thank you very much. That That's maintaining your oneness with God. Everything you do. Is a sense of oneness with God, and um, and that that is how we should live our life every day. No matter what we're doing, where we are, uh, where we have that sense of being at one with God. I and my Father are one. The Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works, and the Father hath not left me alone. <clears throat> and to go back to what Lenny was saying, you know, there's that statement. Um, what is it? Uh, you want your cake and eat it too or something like that. So so you want your worldliness, all right? You want your worldliness. You want to go out and indulge in all these things that you like to do without God, you know, just doing them because it's fun to do and you like to do it. Um, but then, yes, so you want to drag God into the picture so it'll all be nice for you. Um, you don't want to let go of your materiality and you can't get your hand out of that cookie jar. Um, it's not going to work. No, nada, not happening. You have to be willing, just as Lenny was saying, to change. The The way is straight and narrow. <clears throat> now, we're going to end on this beautiful um, article that Carrie sent me by one of my favorite writers, Louise Knight Wheatley. And it's called Giving Up and Going Up. 
and we'll put that on the website this week so you all can read the whole article. Um, but it brings out that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that you give up nothing when you're going up. It's the wide horizons view. Everything is beautiful. You don't give up a thing. It only is animal magnetism that would make you think that. So and she she writes it very beautifully. So anyone else on that watching point? For me, it felt like it was uh, antidoting the uh, thought that you're blaming God, like you're blaming God that you won't let go of the cookie or whatever in the jar. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought that was a good uh, reminder that you have something to do. It's not God is just waiting for you to do what you need to do. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't want to let go of the cookie, then go ahead, have the cookie, but don't pretend to be a Christian scientist (laughs) because you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it, too, as they say. (laughs) I don't really know what that means, except what we're saying, that you can't have it all. Uh, Can't hold on to your worldliness and expect uh, to have your thoughts spiritualized. It's spirit and matter cannot commingle. Nope. Period. I think it just means. Mm-hmm. Doing what you want to do and not wanting consequences for it. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Unintended or otherwise. It, this yeah, also reminds it kind of reminds me of the allegory a little bit too. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, that's a wonderful article, which everyone should be familiar with. The allegory, um, where the yeah the stranger. It's called the stranger, but it's the Christ who's going up that hill, and there are many that aren't ready yet and they're suffering because they're not ready so you will suffer and that's what helps make you ready suffering Mm -hmm. or science and a lot of people don't want to let go of their baggage no they don't so keep your baggage but don't claim to be a christian scientist that's what gives christian science a bad name people who want to keep the baggage then complain that it doesn't work and they really have little or no interest in truly understanding it therefore they don't understand it Therefore, Maybe their baggage is not heavy enough. It's <laughs> heavy to go up the hill. Yes. Well, I think that's why so many have turned against Mrs. Eddy. That's why we continue to see it, because I think we talked about it last week or the week before, but they come for the loaves and the fishes. So you might just say your hand in the cookie jar is you're reaching for the loaves and the fishes, and you're really not understanding really what Reformation really means. That's right. Thank you. Absolutely. May I say something? Sure. Yes. Uh, Referring to Ananias, uh, when I read that, I used to think that that meant stealing. And then I realized that that doesn't mean that. It means holding on to some form of materiality. Thank you. Very much so. And uh, Yes. And and aren't they both one and the same thing? I mean, it's a form of stealing. That's right. And that's why the last of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not covet. Lars has brought out the carry off and brings it. I said, my God, is that the only one? <laughs> <laughs> well, it just applies in so many ways. It's okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, again, the motive behind so many things. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 I wasn't going to do it this early, but I do want Linda to bring up what she wrote to me about Ananias. Is it was so good? It wraps the whole thing up for us. Go ahead. Um, uh, I was working on the concept of withholding, and I had been reading actually the last couple of weeks. I've been thinking about withholding from God, and it fits this lesson so perfectly. And it, uh, I was re- referencing the line where it says, where Peter says, you know, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And then to withhold is to refuse to give, to suppress or hold back. And then I was uh, looking at a commentary that was withholding nothing, absolutely nothing. And then they gave an example of, um, uh, uh, not the, uh, 
thinking of his name that was going to take his son up and Abraham. Abraham, yeah. Abraham took his son up. And then after he, uh, God said, no, you don't need to sacrifice. He told Abraham, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and the sand, which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, because thou hast obeyed my voice. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. I thought that was a beautiful promise, if you don't withhold from God and obey him. And that's Genesis 22. And then uh, I was thinking a lot about what it meant to withhold from God. And it seems like there's, uh, it's easy just to say, well, I'll give God two-thirds of my time, but I'd really like to have this one-third to kind of just do what I want to do. And, and it, or just drift off into just doing what you want to do and not really checking with God. And I, I didn't realize with my own life, you know, where I was not giving fully to God. When you really think about what that means and what Mrs. Eddie did and what Jesus did, um, I, I feel like I have a lot to learn. But I made a list that I need to give him my gratitude, give him my relationships, my time, my past, my future, my heart, mind and soul my trust, the use of my things, my money, my body. I need to give him my love for my neighbor, to love my neighbor. And and then with uh, Ananias, to definitely give God your honesty. And then the a wonderful thought was that we just, because of who he is, you know, not for what he's done for us only, but because of who he is. And then there's the beautiful hymn that was uh Hymn 291, and it's just like as a ch- uh, one line, it says, As a child relies on a care beyond its own, being neither strong nor wise, will not take a step alone. Let me thus with thee abide as my father, friend, and guide. And so I was thinking about that, too, about what it meant to be like a child and not withhold from God. And so it just was very... Um, just got to my heart how, how much we have to do to not withhold. Thank you. That is so beautiful. That uh, To me, that's the crux of this lesson. It's certainly the crux of that story. They withheld. They were dishonest about it. They tried to, to fool, what, the apostles? I don't think so. Yeah. But they were withholding, and um, and they suffered for it, didn't they? Withholding uh, is not a good thing. Mrs. Eddy says even, what, about if you don't, uh, uh, not having a just acknowledgement of the good that God has given you is fatal. That's a paraphrase, but she says it in science and health. So these are strong words, but this is what is required. You think you want everything, all these things you think you desire humanly, materially, you might get them, but they'll blow up in your face. Eventually they will. The only way to get anything is just as what was described there withhold nothing the story of abraham and isaac isaac that was one we were given often because it was an example of abraham being willing to give his only child the thing he loved the most he was ready to sacrifice it to god he mistakenly thought that's what god wanted um it really wasn't but the fact that he was willing to do it then the heavens opened up The heavens open up when you are truly willing. You cannot fake this. You cannot say, oh, well, I've read this story, so now I'm going to pretend to sacrifice everything. No, no. God knows your heart. You've got to really mean it. And when you do, the heavens open up and you have forsaken and given up nothing, but you have entered into the kingdom of heaven. Gary is wincing. So, what do you want to say? Well, no, no. I mean, I, you know, we we all know how difficult this can be, and and none of us is going to actually do this unless we are absolutely certain that we're not giving up anything good. We are gaining all good, and that is the point we have to get to mentally before we'll actually be able to do this. And, and what you'll find is, I mean, I, I remember reading a, uh, a wise sermon once a long, long time ago. 
um, where the, the, the guy was saying that, you know, God's not going to entrust material wealth to you unless he can, unless he can trust you with it. And, you know, there are people who inherit it and then, you know, blow it. But if, if you are trustworthy in God's sight, you will have everything you need. And in fact, you'll have, you may have more than what you need because you will be expected to help others with it. And that is why we're here. But if you're going to selfishly spend, you know, like the prodigal son, well, then, you know, you're not in the right mental state to be trusted with what God will and is ready to give to you. So we have to get to the point where we are totally trustworthy about the things of God before this will actually blossom in our lives. Remember the story of Joseph. One thing after the next, he was tested and tested and tested. And then look what happened to him. The heavens opened up. Yes, and he helped the nations. And he helped the nations, yes. And um, Carrie sent me some beautiful selections from Footsteps this week about Mrs. Eddy and how she did this. And it says exactly what Gary said, because she was ready to feed the hungry, heal the heart. She was ready to give all her earthly savings to the world. She was blessed immeasurably, more than what she needed. It's a law and it's a principle and it's unfailing, but you can't fake it. You can't man, uh, manipulate things to think you're going to try to do this. It just comes from the depths of your heart. And what leads you to this point is often a lot of suffering, often science or suffering. You have to get where mortal mind and all the things of matter burn you. What did Mrs. Eddy say? Mortal mind has not been kind to me enough that I want to linger in it. I think it's a paraphrase, but that's close because look how it had burned her. Everything, all the things she cherished were taken in some way or the other, but then look what she gained and she never reneged. She never went back. She always knew this, this great and mighty cause was within her because the father was within her. And after she was given Tremendous amount. <clears throat> she still said that that she was she was the one who was indebted to God. Yes. And we have we have some of the most beautiful quotes about her on her on our website. I think it was Sherry's idea that we made sure that we feature Mary Baker Eddy on our website first thing, and some of these beautiful quotes that she. She said, and that was, I have to say, that was one thing that impressed me about Longyear. They had that. They had these beautiful pictures of her and her home, Pleasant View and other things. But then they had these beautiful quotes. What would you call it? It was like a, it was like a carousel. Yeah. of a slideshow, I guess. A slideshow, yeah. That definitely just, worth a visit. Definitely worth a visit, yes. It was beautiful. Um, their tribute to her. I just... I have this quote from Una Willard from 1944 that goes along with the withholding and everything. When Jesus dismissed all temptation to desire personal and isolated good for himself, angels came and ministered unto him. Just Thank really you. A beautiful. Yes. Absolutely. One thing is maybe it's different between growing from being just a man to being God's man where you could you go kind and strong. She said that she realized don't love God. Not for the things he did, but for, for what God is. And, and that, you know, something that just struck me because it's not what I normally would do. And, uh, <clears throat> but I can see as you understand and you love like a mother, maybe the qualities of, of God, you become you know, really just so adored by, I mean, uh, greater affection for him than just uh, 
following a bunch of commandments. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that that is so important. You can't do it, as I said, just because you're trying to manipulate and get the loaves and fishes. You've got to do it. Um, whether you get any loaves and fishes at all, you have to do it because you love God. You see who and what he is, and you do it from a standpoint of love. And that means when the going gets rough, which it probably will, you will not say, okay, I'm out of here. You'll keep going with bloody footsteps, she says. Won't be a hireling. You, yeah, thank you. And what does that mean? The hireling was what... You know, Jesus's parable was the hireling, the one that would not stay and protect the sheep against wolves and whatnot. So, right, yeah, his heart he, wasn't in it. Because unless he what was being paid or something, right? Yeah, he was the yeah. The even getting paid was not enough. To yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Right. And if there's something you really want, you just ask God and say, "But Thy will be done." Yes. And you get better than what you even expected if it's the right idea. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we are, yes, in the middle of this discussion on matter. And um, Jeremy, would you read the golden text? Proverbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Thank you. And I, I will refer to just a couple of statements in science and health regarding this <clears throat> on 452. Walking in the light, we are accustomed to the light and require it. We cannot see in darkness, but eyes accustomed to darkness are pained by the light. When outgrowing the old, you should not fear to put on the new. Your advancing course may provoke envy but it will also attract respect. When error confronts you, withhold not the rebuke or the explanation which destroys error. Never breathe an immoral atmosphere unless an attempt to purify, to purify it. Better is the frugal intellectual repast with contentment and virtue than the luxury of learning with egotism and vice. This this is the pressure of the apostolic command to come out from the material world and be separate. You know, you can read all this stuff till you're blue in the face, but are you willing to do it? This means when you get invited to some social thing that is purely social and has no God in it, are you willing either to go on your knees and willing to rebuke the era that you might confront? Or are you willing to say, no, I don't want to do it, even though all your family and all your friends and everybody wants you to come? Where is your moral courage to do what's right? This is maintaining your oneness with the Father. It is staying in the Father's house. Now, I had to learn all of this. And I don't, I don't say anything that I haven't had to go through myself. And I know what it was like when I would say yes to these so-called social things or family get-togethers or whatever. And it would take me weeks, maybe months to get over that time, okay? To recover from to it. To recover from it. From the poison. <laughs> or did I have the guts to go in and, and to say things that might rankle everybody? Now, this is what the Christ did, isn't it? Wherever he went. And it doesn't mean, you know, we go around just to be mean or blast people, but we, we have to be true to ourselves and to the, to the Christ. And, and when you are, when you, when you do stand for what you know is better or the best, you actually do bless everybody around you. Do. you. When you rebuke error, you bless someone. When you refuse to go somewhere because it's not right, you bless them because they will miss your Christliness and they will want it. And they, they might, you know, you, and you don't have to offer explanations and they might wonder, um, you know, and again, maybe they won't like it, but you will gain their respect. 
because you're a, a, a man, woman of integrity. And you will I go think, higher and you will lose nothing. Go ahead, Florence. I think you're more able to do this when your own confidence in God increases. This is what I found. That my own journey with my father, as it improves, as it, it, as it grows, the more confident I became, the more I'm able to say no to this or I'm able to uh, refuse to do something everybody else is doing. It's confidence in, in, in your relationship with God. Thank you. Absolutely. And and again, you can't fake it. If it's not there, you 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 know, you can't try to do it if it's not there. If if you want to go to these things, go for heaven's sakes. Do whatever you need. Um But if you are growing in science, if you're truly growing, you will get to the point where you won't be able to do things that aren't right in God's sight. You won't be able to do things that aren't useful to mankind out of a higher sense of love for mankind. You just, you won't be able to. And that will be the test of whether you are really growing in science. And, and again, it's not that we become like monks and just stay to ourselves. I mean, Christ Jesus was the example, so was Mrs. Eddy. You are, you should be amongst people. It's a matter of as, as Parthens wrote that article, if you are sent, and maybe you can go in these things and be a great blessing, and that's great if you can do that, and you will come home feeling refreshed and happy, not drained and confused or upset or whatever. Um, that's always the test. And But this is living it. This isn't just reading. This is living the rule for motives and acts. This isn't just reading about it. And as you do this, you will find all the pressures that you used to feel, your pressure headaches, your pressure this, your pressure that, they'll go away. Because the only pressure you're obeying is the apostolic command to come out from the material world, material world, and be separate. And you won't have those pressures anymore in your life. Sounds like this is, I think it's the allegory or is it pond and purpose where the, everybody's in a big room having a party and a few people. That's look. an allegory. Yeah. yeah. So when I used to feel when I would go to a place, be asked to go somewhere family related that seemed to be useless or I was giving a consent for them to just spend their, their useless time, their time in these things where nothing really was accomplished. Thank you very much. You are giving your consent. It's a form of approval. Um, so as you go up higher, you will find this happening to yourself and you have to have the courage to make those right decisions. And this is living the science and not just reading about it and then wondering why you don't get the healing effect that comes when you when you're obedient to God. For a long time, I worked with that hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. I still work with it. Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. You know, take my moments and my days. Let them live in ceaseless praise. All of that. Take my feet. Let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let it sing always, only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. I, it is so beautiful. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And 324. 324, thank you. Yes. <clears throat> it should be in your heart. And as you do this, the things of the world, the worldliness, the materiality, all of that will drop away. And you will understand more what Mrs. Eddy means by there is no matter. As Jim Dibel used to say, matter doesn't matter. <laughs> but you will understand it. Why? Because you're obeying the precepts. It's hard to understand. My gosh, what are you saying? There's no such thing as matter. Who understands that? Maybe Einstein and Mrs. Eddy. But it's a hard concept to understand until you start living it. Because we've learned here, yes, understanding follows obedience. You do these things, then, you, oh, yeah, now I get it. Before then, it, it maybe doesn't make sense. So that's why she says, what, obedience is 
You have to do it. <laughs> Obeying God. Yeah, you learn by doing. It's like when you go to college, you're reading the books and stuff, but until you do the work, that's what she says in Science and Health, it's demonstration. You know, it's not just sitting around thinking about it. Yes, progress is born of experience and of nothing else. Yes, that's right. Experiencing. And you will learn along along the way. And you can't do anything because I'm I'm saying it or anyone here is saying it. You you have to you have to every every demonstration, everyone's salvation is individual and mainly to be honest. So if any of these things you want to do, you like to do, by all means do them. Do whatever, you know, you, you will learn from And learn whatever you can learn. Learn whatever you can learn. Take everything that comes to you as we're in a schoolroom, Mrs. Eddie says. Sometimes um, you gotta walk into these situations without your armor on to realize why you need to have your armor on. <laughs> why, you need to, why you need to pray before, during, and after, and what a difference that will make. And this is why it can't be handed down to your children, because they have to have these experiences. They can't just take it because you told them or your Sunday school teacher told them. They gotta learn it. And then then it will be theirs. And you have it with you all the time. And you'll have it with you. Yep. It'll be right there in your pocket. (laughs) So another thing, another uh, quote from Science and Health from that golden text, take away wealth, fame, and social organization, which weigh not one jot in the balance of God, and we get clearer views of principle, break up cliques, level wealth with honesty, let worth be judged according to wisdom, and we get better views of humanity. So there again, and you see what the world thinks and what we as a scientist think should be entirely different. That's why we should never be impressed uh, with uh, degrees and uh, how much money a person makes and how big their house is. Who cares in the sight of God? Reminds me of those extra features that were on the Times of Fire DVD about Revelation. The, the, the guy that wrote it, Christoph Hanauer, I believe his name was, he said that the way to tell, you know, if somebody's really Christian is how they spend their money and how they spend their time. So That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well said. Well said. Well said. So... In the lesson, it says his responsive reading, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. And Shardell, what did you write about that? Well, I looked up some commentaries because they were very beautiful. They were a little long, but uh, they are blessed and they're happy. The upright in heart are happy. And so are their, their generations. But there is a hitch to it. They must also be loyal to God. They just don't get it automatically. It is there. It's there for them. And we know it. And it's very beautiful. But they must also follow God's laws and commandments. The children is the the children. Yes. Yes. Mm Yep. And, you know, if, if they're not, and you've tried to bring them up the best you can, you just... Leave them to God and know that they will get it. They'll get in life what they need, um, and it will bring them to God. And the power of your prayers is 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 incredibly uh, wonderful. Mrs. Evans used to say, you know, I mean, she had children that did a few things. <laughs> One of them riding their motorcycle up the hall of a high school and a few <laughs> other things like that. But anyway, she said, you know, sometimes you're, Kids do these things, but you keep knowing the truth, and it'll come around. Um, and, and also that that the children of Christian scientists, quote unquote, will often get caught in what they're doing. They won't be allowed to do it. You know, other people can get away with it, but these these children won't get away with it, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a blessing not to get away with it. <laughs> it's a blessing not to get away. And then in science and health, in this week's lesson. Um, the good in human affections must have ascendancy over the evil and the spiritual over the animal or happiness will never be won. The attainment of this celestial condition would improve our progeny, diminish crime and give higher aims to ambition, 
Every valley of sin must be exalted and every mountain of selfishness must be brought low that the highway of our God may be prepared in science. This, this is very key. So what kind of life are you living when you're raising your children? Are you being selfish? Are you seeking Christian science for the loaves and fishes? Or have you done things for mankind? And are you living the life that we all should be living? Because your example is what's speaking to them. What is it? I love that quote about um, your your example is so loud I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> that was a calendar quote. Your, right. Your example speaks louder than words. Yeah. So don't just talk it, do it. That's it. Don't just talk it, do it. So these beautiful things now that um, Carrie sent about Mrs. Eddie and how she lived her life. And first I'll have um, Florence talk about because it's one of my favorite articles that Florence wrote and it was my visit to Chestnut Hill so Florence tell us what you learned yeah I, I, I won't read, read it as such but uh, when we went there were about six of us and most everybody was anxious to see her bedroom right so we we get there and it's next to Calvin Fry and we know why if you read your biographies, it says that she would sometimes call on her most spiritualized uh, um, helpers okay. to help him. And Calvin Fry was one of them, so his room was next to hers. But then when we went to her room, she only had a bed and a dresser. That's all I remember, and a chair, I think. But it was a small room in this huge mansion. Everybody I know, we, everybody was quiet, you know, and I know that we were all <laughs> thinking that whatever our thoughts were and keeping it to ourselves. But really, I, when we came out, I will, I will read this because I was just so moved. The room of most interest and the one that had the most reaction from everyone was Mrs. Eddie's bedroom. It was the Size that got everyone talking. To see that in such huge mansion, her bedroom was only could only fit a bed and a dresser spoke volumes. Most of us questioned this and made our own conclusions. But what later dawned on me was the spiritual significance of the size of the room. All I could feel was that here was a truly selfless woman whose mission had never been to satisfy self. She gave up all for Christ, to the extent that even in her later years, when money was abundant in her life, the size of her room summed up what her heart was after, laboring in complete obedience to God, not for self, but for the glory of God and to bless mankind. My eyes well up thinking about her spirituality and the depth of her love for God and man. The tour brought the deepest respect, admiration, and love for Mrs. Eddie for what she stood and fought for to bring the comforter to mankind. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. I Thank love you. that. Yes. And, you know, she had... Well, what did she say when she first saw Chestnut Hill after having to leave? Oh, something. So it was a. Um, oh, splendid she didn't misery. like it. <laughs> Thank you. Splendid, splendid misery. Splendid misery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what did she use the all all? You know, it had a lot of room in it. And, but what were they for? For the people. They yep. were for the comfort mm -hmm. of the students. Mm -hmm. Whom she taught 24-7. Didn't she even ask for her room to be made smaller? She, she did. I well, was getting there. She did. Mm -hmm. It was smaller. She wanted the whole place to look like Pleasant View. Her area was to look like Pleasant View that she loved. Um, Tony has come up with a new website entitled, Who is Mary Baker Eddy? I'm glad he got the rights to that. And... I haven't 
looked at it too carefully yet, but there are a lot of beautiful pictures of Pleasant View, which is the home she loved. And she spared no expense on making everything in that home beautiful, her gardens. She wore beautiful clothes. It wasn't that she was a miser and lived miserly. She did not. But she didn't covet it and and work for it. Um, One of the quotes from Spiritual Footsteps, it is said on good authority that a minister once gently chided her for her apparent affluence. As if from his point of view, such evidence of worldly wealth was incompatible with a high attainment of spirituality. Mrs. Eddy replied, didn't you know that my father was very rich? (laughs) (laughs) When he seemed surprised at this information, she indicated by pointing upward that she referred to her heavenly father. Now, that is the truth. We have a very rich and abundant Heavenly Father who will pour out blessings in whatever way, as long as you don't turn them into a God and replace the things for him. So I love that story, and it is true. And what is that in the prodigal son? Son, all that I have have is thine. All that I have is thine. Remember that. You are the son or daughter of the king. And all that he has is yours. And this beautiful statement, this is from, um, well, it's in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. Carrie found it in Martha Wilcox, but it is in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. Uh, Mrs. Eddy, my income is life and love and truth. It is equal to all demands made upon it. This income is my inalienable possession, derived from no earthly source supplied through no material channels, dependent upon no personality or personal effort, not even my own, but coming to me direct from God, mine to receive, to possess, to use, but never to waste or hoard. It is to be received without fear or doubt, shared without apprehension that all supply that all supply can fail. Quote, all things that the Father hath are mine, end quote. These come to me and constitute my income, unfailingly abundant, ample, for any demand that can be made upon it. So, um, and in, in Spiritual Footsteps, it does, it does say that Mrs. Eddy received so much because how she spent it was not just for herself, but for her her cause, her students. Um, And she just gave and gave and gave. And that's why that supply was infinite and abundant. So I wanted to end a few minutes early because there's this beautiful article by Louise Knight Wheatley called Giving Up and Going Up. And this is from a 1915 Sentinel. No one knows better than does the Christian scientist that holiness is not synonymous with gloom or depression. Mrs. Eddy says, I agree with Reverend Dr. Talmage that there are wit, humor, and enduring vivacity among God's people. That's Miscellaneous Writings 117. The joyless saint is a paradox. As a matter of fact, the better one grows, the happier he grows for he is becoming more conscious of his oneness with God, the source of all good. So to those who seem to be entertaining a frightened sense that Christian science is going to rob them of something in spite of themselves, let the comforting assurance be given that it never compels anybody to give up anything. It only shows us something so much better that we gladly let go of the old to find the new. Just as a child would drop a worn-out toy to reach out with eager fingers for something more beautiful. The Father's plan does not involve a giving up of anything. Through the study of the good, the true, and the beautiful, as revealed in Christian science, thought is educated out of itself into loftier aims and ideals but always in a direct line of spiritual advancement. Giving up is simply another name 
for going up. And it is so naturally accompanied by a grateful realization that nothing has been lost, nothing left behind, that unless this joyousness does, does attend the giving up, one may be very sure the thing has not really been done at all, no matter what the outside semblance may be. Heavenly harmonies, such as never dreamed of before, are coming into the life of every earnest student of Christian science. Things which he once found amusing now seem stale and profitless. He suddenly discovers what is indeed the truth, that there is nothing in them, and finds himself beginning to take an interest in many things for which he has hitherto had scant regard. He begins to find himself attracted as never before to things genuine and simple, wholesome and unaffected. He likes simpler manners, simpler speech, simpler dressing, simpler modes of living. Better music appeals to him. His taste in art and drama becomes more refined. While, as he grows more familiar with the unique, forceful English found in the writings of Mrs. Eddy, his appreciation of good literature is sure to grow even more keen. Thus, the student finds friends in the birds, the stars, the flowers, the rippling brook. The winds whisper him their woodland secrets and the pine trees sing him a song which needs no words to be complete. The happy, innocent creatures of the woods grow dear to him, and he wonders how he could ever have believed it sport to overpower them, either by strength or strategy. The whole world has suddenly become for him one vast, ever-changing panorama of delight. And as you sometimes meet him on an early summer morning, returning from an hour alone with his books and the sunrise and his own happy thoughts, and he smiles at you in passing, you somehow remember it was written once of Moses that when he came down from the mount, he wist not that the skin of his face shone. Someone has written... I thank thee that I know these much-desired dreams of long ago, like butterflies have had their summer's day of brief enchantment, and have gone, I pray, for better things. Let us then welcome any experience, however trying, which enables us to go up to find those better things which God hath prepared for those who love him. They will be gained just in the proportion that we are willing to loosen our grasp on matter and reach out for those things of spirit which have, from the beginning, constituted man's eternal heritage. End quote. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary, so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.